there, happy holidays to my shiny, happy, cosmically fabulous wanderers. Today's snack-sized portion, just like a little taste of gingerbread, is all about attachment theory. Do you know your attachment style? And we'll talk a little bit about why that might be important. I hope you'll stay with me. Align with your best self. Explore the quality of your being. Step into your capacity to thrive. Broadcasting from the northwest coast of Scotland, this is the Wanderer's Guide to Cosmic Fabulosity with D.W. Long. And welcome back. I've just got to say, I am so appreciative of you guys supporting me the way you do. Now, today's snack size portion is a good one to think about as you move into the new year. What might you want to shift in the way that you engage your relationships? And if you can discover this thing about yourself, you will have access to the most full and best expression of you. So here's a quick and dirty. I'm going to tell you where attachment theory comes from and the four attachment styles. You can think about those as I go through them. Be very gentle with yourself as you listen to this podcast and know that whatever your attachment style, having this knowledge will empower you. And remember, we are always looking at this stuff through the lens of curiosity, openness, acceptance, and love. Okay, so be very gentle with yourself. So let's get rolling. For more than 50 years, we have known that attachment styles can help us to predict and explain children's behavior. And when we look at how that behavior continues to grow through our adolescence and as we develop our frontal cortex completely, well, later on in life, our attachment style can cause barriers to our ability to connect well with other people. So we've got this cool dude. His name was John Bowlby in the 60s. He's a British psychiatrist, and he came up with this theory that explains how our brains are programmed to help us survive and thrive in the environment we're born into. So here we go with this nature versus, you know, nurture idea. You know, I was trained in a theoretical perspective that talks about human development from a lens of we have this template in the beginning and then our environment coaches us to show up in a way later on um, by what we're exposed to, whether that be a beautiful nurturing environment where the caregiver, our primary caregiver or plural caregivers take really good care of us and lots of skin-to-skin contact when we're a baby and eye contact and teaching us how to self-soothe, right? We grow up with a secure attachment style. And the inverse of that are other types of attachment. So let's talk about the four attachment styles. And a big thank you to Mr. Bowlby for coming up with these. So we have secure attachment, avoidant attachment, anxious attachment, and disorganized attachment. And these are the terms we tend to use when we're looking at anyone through a therapeutic lens. These were the terms that were presented to me when I was doing my degree and getting my licensure, yada, yada. We talk about these four attachment styles. Now, I'll be using some different terminology as we talk about this a little bit more here in a few minutes because we've come to define these in a little bit more spacious way than these original terms that Mr. Bulby came up with. So if we start with secure attachment, yes, we might say that that 
person who has a secure attachment style has a lower anxiety and a low in avoidance. Now, I've mentioned the avoidant attachment style a moment ago. So secure attachment, right, tends to have us be able to participate in and completely find fulfillment in secure and stable and, as I said, fulfilling relationships. There's not a whole lot of complication going on there. Of course, all of us have our stuff, but if we have a secure attachment style, then maybe our relationships might be a little easier. And romantic relationships, this can be relationships with family. This can even bleed over into, figuratively, relationships with acquaintances who then become friends, right? Our attachment style permeates our entire being. It isn't just a lens through which to observe ourselves when we're looking at romantic relationships only. It will also impact the way we raise our own children. So let's keep digging around here. Someone with a secure attachment style might use language like, you know, it's easy for me to get close to other people. I'm comfortable depending on people and have them depend on me as well. There's kind of a balance there. I don't worry about being abandoned or I don't even worry about someone else getting close to me. I have a very vulnerable and open heart and I feel that I live wholeheartedly in that way. So imagine if that's somebody's language, they probably, you know, connect pretty easily. And, you know, especially in romantic relationships, they're able to be vulnerable, as we've talked about before um, in other podcasts. You know, vulnerability, you know, requires us to be able to tap into our courage. And it also requires us to have a certain amount of trust when it comes to bringing that vulnerability to the forefront of our being. So if we scootle along here, we've got the anxious attachment style that I was talking about a moment ago. So an anxious attachment style means that we might have a high level of anxiety, um, but we could be low in avoidance. So an anxious preoccupied attachment, um, we've come to call it in other arenas, can create relationships that thrive on drama or generally are lower in trust. So we've kind of gotten a little bit of a movement away from the thing we were talking about before when we talked about secure attachment, right? We're th not that you know we're having an extreme amount of instability here, but the underpinnings of what look like a secure attachment style are not present in this attachment style. And what you'll find with this anxious attachment style, uh, where the avoidance is lower and the anxiety is higher, that people tend to crave closeness and intimacy. They might feel very insecure about the relationship they're in, and they might use language that looks like, you know, I, when it comes to connecting with someone, I want to be extremely close or even like bond with them or merge with them in a way. And I find that people are reluctant to get as close to me as I would like. And I worry that my partner doesn't love me as much or hold me in as high esteem or value me as much as I do them. And they might abandon me. And this is all monkey mind stuff and, and negative thoughts and intrusive thoughts that might come up for people. And so they feel like their closeness or the inordinate amount or the need for closeness might scare people away. Really uncomfortable place to be. Um, all can be processed with a good therapist. So this is where I bring back in the curiosity, openness, acceptance, and love. My shiny happy. I want you to listen to me right now very carefully. If you're listening to me talk about this attachment style and you're thinking, oh, bleep. Yeah. Ditch the bleep. 
and make a gentle movement towards the gentle quality that we are doing here when we study ourselves, yes? We're looking at this with curiosity and openness, and we're just going to accept whatever it is that we are discovering. We're not going to awfulize or catastrophize. We're simply going to go, hmm, I wonder if I've got an anxious attachment style. Plain and simple, right? Don't embellish it. Don't make it more than it is, okay? So here we go, rolling right along. So we've got this avoidant attachment style, right? And these people tend, right? This isn't a, you know, perfectly cookie cutter um, explanation because everybody's got their own special mix, but people with a dismissive and avoidant attachment style, as we've come to call it, they tend to be lower in anxiety, but very high in avoidance, right? And this may lead to them being more distant when it comes to relationships, yeah? And maybe it even stems from a fear of commitment, Now think about somebody you might know who has had this attachment style, right? You might remember your friend Peggy or your friend Mark, and you remember that they have kind of a discomfort when it comes to being close to people, maybe in general, especially in when it comes to romantic relationships. And they're you know, their primary values are often about being independent and free, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if those things are brought to the forefront of our being to the detriment of our ability to connect, well, where are we left then? I think you know the answer to that. And these individuals might use language like, you know, I'm not comfortable being close to people. You know, I like to keep them at a distance. I find it difficult to trust and, you know, depend on others because I've just got to do my own thing and, you know, everybody else screws it up for me and I'm just not going to be vulnerable, right? And I prefer that others don't depend on me. Let me just, you know, fly my little solo being here. You take care of you. I take care of me. And they feel that being independent and self-sufficient, you know, those are values that are held very high. Now, again, Pay attention here. Those are not negative values to have. But if they are active enough to the point where they cause a barrier to connection, well, here we go again. Am I repeating myself? Too bad. All right. My partner wants me to be closer and I just don't want it or I don't feel like it. Yeah, this is language that you might hear from someone with this attachment style. Now, if this is you, again, don't start beating yourself up. Just observe it. Yeah, we're just observing here. So now we've got this disorganized attachment style. I, you know, we might use that in a clinical setting, but, you know, these days I think people, you'll, you might read consumer-grade articles where it's referred to as fearful avoidant, right? And this is um, when we have this high anxiety and avoidance, right? And people who display traits for this attachment style are often drawn to close relationships, yet they are simultaneously incredibly anxious about you know, what could possibly happen. They don't settle in, so to speak. So imagine you're doodling along, you're trying to create relationships because your basic human need is that of needing to be connected. And you have this anxious yet avoidant way of being and you're using language like, you know, I am really uncomfortable getting close to others, but because I find it difficult to, you know, even trust people or depend on them and I worry that I might get hurt but oh my god I, I, I so desperately want to connect and uh, this I had this cognitive dissonance and this discomfort on the inside and my whole solar plexus is on fire and I just can't seem to do it yet I crave it yeah very uncomfortable place to be 
I want to be close, but if somebody hurts me, I won't be able to handle it, right? It is, we have to have compassion for people who have this attachment style. This attachment style often comes out of um, abuse in the household. So if there's a lot of chaos in a house, and perhaps when the, the individual was a baby, they weren't held a lot for whatever reason, no shame or blame here, uh, you know, this uh, fearful avoidant attachment style can become, you know, the course. And what we find later in life is that adults, you know, realize when they get some help and support here that this is the barrier. And what you can do is unlearn some of this stuff. You can learn some coping skills, learn some new ways of Presenting yourself to the world, looking at it through an ontological lens. How can I shift the quality of my being so that I am in thrive mode? Yes. And I can do this with the help of my therapist, and eventually I'll do it alone, and I will create fabulous relationships. And people have these experiences, especially when they do the kind of self-study that I'm talking about here. Now, here's the dealio that I want you to keep in mind. Okay. Listen carefully. We can have a combination of traits, right, through maybe even the whole spectrum of attachment styles, right, that make up who we are. And pinning down an attachment style, right, one, should not, you know, have any stigma attached to it. But giving an idea where we sort of lie can give us insight into who we are and how we're showing up, right? But many of us have a combination of these things going on. And so this is why we sit with a therapist and we explore these things and we do it without shame and blame. And after that, we continue on our cosmically fabulous path. How about that, my shiny happy? Something to keep in mind before we close is that attachment patterns tend to be, you know, passed down from generation to the next, right? The way our parents parented us, we might fall into a pattern of parenting our children that way. And, you know, children learn how to connect to caregivers in a way that is that is so beautiful because we are just open books when we're babies, right? And so your attachment history, you know, it plays a role in determining how you relate to adult romantic relationships and, and also to your children. But it is not what happened to you as a child that is the most important thing we want to look at it. It is how we deal with it, right? And so many people go from the place of being the victim of abuse to being the superhero of their lives when they start out on a path of self-study with a professional and shift some of this energy and ditch the bullshit of the past to the side and live abundantly, luminously, and spaciously the rest of their lives. So I hope this has been useful to you didn't need to build a huge case of why certain attachment styles might create barriers to our thriving in relationships because, you know, we kind of hit on that along the way. And all you need to do is go out and have a look-see around the internet. There are little quizzes online. I might post a couple of them in the show notes here. Remember this when you look at these quizzes. They're little five-minute quizzes. Those are not definitive. So if you take a quiz and you realize you've got an anxious an anxious attachment style, don't think that that is the be-all and end-all of who you are. Go out, search out a therapist if you think that this is something that might help you, you know, live your life more fully. And be gentle with yourself, as always, so you know how we end this. I tell you how much I love you. Thank you for your continued support. I'm wishing you a hugely marvelous holiday season. Probably be another podcast coming after this one before Christmas hits and all of the other things that are going on. But I just wanted to throw that out there and leave you with that at the moment. So, until next time.
You've been listening to The Wanderer's Guide to Cosmic Fabulosity with D.W. Long. If, like me, you're enjoying what D.W. has to say, go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep up with future content. I would absolutely love it if you click a star rating or leave a review. That way, I can know that the content I bring here is useful to you. Want to ask a question for a future episode? Click on the link in the show notes to send your question along via DW's website at www.mcscoach.com. <laughs>